celebrate resurrection morning. I want to welcome you to Easter at Springbrook. We're so glad to have you. If you're our guest, we're especially glad uh, that you came out and we hope you enjoy uh, your time here together with us. This morning, I am going to be talking about God's rescue plan. The greatest rescue plan in history that culminated in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But before I talk about that, I'd like to talk about a more recent rescue event that took place. We have a picture of a family here. This is Eric and Charlotte Kaufman with their children. On the right side, you have Cora, who's three years old, and Lyra, who is just a baby. Now, uh, Eric and Charlotte uh, have a different way of living. Uh, in fact, you see in the next, next picture here, you, they live on this boat, the Rebel Heart. They have for the last seven years, and that's where they live. That's where they sail different places. And uh, as many of you probably heard, uh, it was uh, in late March that they started 
on a voyage around the world in their home, in their sailboat, along with their three-year-old and one-year-old. And of course, there's been a lot of conversations about whether that was appropriate or not, uh, but that's not the issue we're talking about. Uh, they uh, set out, as you see in this next picture, from San Diego, and about two weeks into their journey, they're about 900 miles off of Mexico, uh, first of all, Lyra was becoming sick. She had a rash. She had a fever. Uh, she wasn't responding uh, to any medications. And then the boat broke down. The communication stopped. The steering went out. So Eric sent a distress signal to the U.S. Coast Guard. And the U.S. Coast Guard went into immediate action. This next picture, you'll see that they sent the California Air National Guard out, and they had four uh, parachutists that jumped out of this plane to land uh, near the boat in order to rescue them. Uh, so they came down uh, near the boat. They inflated a raft. Uh, they got onto the Rebel Heart. Uh, it was Saturday night. They spent the night with the family. And at the same time, we see in this next picture, uh, there was a Navy ship uh, that was coming uh, to their rescue. So at daybreak, uh, they all got into this uh, raft. You'll see in this next picture, uh, there's the family and uh, the rescuers, and they brought them uh, to safety. Now, I tell you what, that just fills me uh, with a great feeling of confidence, being a U.S. citizen that no matter what I do or how stupid <laughs> decisions I might make, <laughs> they're going to come and they're going to rescue me no matter where I might be in their world. Uh, that, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, friends, we all need saviors in our life. I can remember when I was, oh, I don't know, seven years old, I was at a public pool in Rockford, Illinois, where I grew up, and uh, I was drowning. I was never uh, that great a swimmer, and uh, I can remember like it was yesterday, uh, I can just remember the pool, and I can remember I could not keep my head above the water. And all of a sudden, a lifeguard jumped in and saved me pulled me out and uh, made sure I was okay, and I am so thankful to that lifeguard for saving my life. Uh, has anybody else been saved by a lifeguard out there? All right, we're good. I'm not alone. That's good. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, how many lifeguards do we have here? You've been a lifeguard in the past. All right, let's thank the lifeguards, okay? Yeah. <laughs> lifeguards are great. Now, here's another question. Now, this one I want you to stand on. Have you ever been rescued by a policeman or a firefighter when you're in danger? I want you to stand up, okay? I'm just curious. Is there anybody out there who's been rescued uh, by a policeman or a fireman in some type of danger? Okay. I'll, oh, there, I see somebody back there. <laughs> okay, uh, a young lady. All right. Well, that's, that's awesome. Let's, let's thank the Lord for all our policemen and firemen. Yeah. It's just so uh, meaningful and, uh, uh, again, significant that they're always on duty. And they're always, uh, again, there to help us. And uh, we're thankful uh, for them. Uh, well, friends, uh, we all sometimes fall into situations where we need uh, to get rescued. In fact, we're fascinated by rescue stories when you think about all the uh, 
big blockbuster movies, many of them are rescue stories. You think of Titanic, Apollo 13, Schindler's List. That's one of my favorites. We love to hear about how people are rescued. But the greatest rescue story in the history of the world is found in this book. And that's what we want to explore today. God's rescue plan for you and I. God's rescue plan for you and I. What does God rescue us from? Well, one thing He rescues us from is from pain in our past. From pain in our past. We, uh, of course, go through a lot of pain in life. And there's really kind of two categories. You have regrets and resentments. Regrets and resentments. Resentments uh, come when people hurt us. Uh, And people hurt us many times, intentionally and unintentionally. Uh, They'll gossip about us. They'll say nasty things about us. uh, They will uh, betray us. uh, They will uh, try to cause trouble in our lives. They'll divorce us. You name it. Uh, Time upon time, people are hurting us. And we've got to decide what we're going to do with all that hurt. Well, we know what we should do with that hurt is we should forgive that person. But sometimes we say, I just don't have the power to forgive that person. I know that's the healthiest thing I should do, and I shouldn't be thinking about it. But it just seems to be holding on to my heart. And it's like we're in this prison of pain because of resentments we have toward other people. The other category is regrets. This is when we have sinned against other people, when we've been nasty, when we've gossiped, when we've betrayed, when we have divorced, whenever we have hurt other people. That, again, is another area that we struggle in because we don't know what to do. We say, if only I could erase time, if only I could turn back the clock, if only I could just go back to that moment and do it differently, but you can't. So what do you do with that? Well, some people choose to blame other people. They don't take responsibility uh, for their mistake. Uh, And other people just kind of bury it. All the guilt and the shame. And eventually, of course, if you bury that stuff, it's going to evidence itself uh, most likely in medicating yourself. Addictions, pornography and alcohol and drugs and food and shopping, whatever it might be. Try to make yourself feel better because you don't know what to do with the pain inside. Well, friends, God wants to rescue us from that. We look in Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Maybe that describes you today. Your heart is broken over some situation in your life, or you're crushed in spirit. Your spirit is what kind of carries you along. Your spirit uh, needs hope in order to keep it going. Your spirit is what gives you motivation for each new day. But maybe you feel so beaten down by the circumstances of life and people hurting you, you're just like, i got nothing left here. Well, God knows that. God's concerned about you. And God wants to help you. He wants to rescue you. 
And you say, well, I don't feel God. Well, maybe one of the reasons is you haven't opened up your heart to God. You haven't brought your concerns to God. He wants to rescue you from that. God wants to do a new thing in your life. If you look in Isaiah 43, 18-19, it says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Now we can do that with the power of Christ. We can forgive and we can forgive ourselves. Forgive others and forgive ourselves through the power of Christ that He provides for us if uh, we allow Him to do that, to deal with those regrets and resentments. Verse 19, Behold, I am doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Maybe you need a new thing in your life today. Maybe, again, for whatever reason, uh, life is not working the way that you expected it to work. Life is not working the way that you're trying to get it to work. And you need a new thing. You can imagine yourself out in a wilderness, in a desert, and and you're so thirsty, and, and you can just imagine that God creates this huge river just running by you. Okay, jump in. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to bring a time of refreshing. He wants to bring a time of newness. He wants to re-energize you. He wants to recreate you if you will allow Him to do that. Well, now let me tell you more about this rescue plan. I've got to give you the complete picture for you to understand it. So, Let's start at the beginning with Adam and Eve. God put them in the perfect place. It was like heaven. They had everything they needed. They had more than they needed. It was perfect peace, perfect joy, perfect relationship. They they never had a fight. They never argued. There were no issues. They walked together. They enjoyed one another. In every way, they enjoyed taking care of the garden. It was paradise. And God was there with them. That was the most beautiful thing, is that they walked with God. God had created man and woman in order to enjoy them, in order to have fellowship with them. At the same time, God wanted to make sure that they were truly choosing to love Him, that they weren't forced to love Him. So He put a tree in the garden called the Tree of Life. And He said, listen, enjoy this garden fully. It's all yours. Take care of it. Enjoy life with Me. Just one thing, don't eat from that tree. Now, they were tempted by their own desires to be like God and Satan, of course. And so they ate from that tree. And that's when everything went down hill because they had sinned. In fact, it says in Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. What happened was, they said Adam and Eve left the garden. That was an act of grace by God because otherwise they would have lived eternally in sin. They left the garden and they had some kids. 
And what happened was is they passed this sinful orientation down to their children, Cain and Abel. And we all know that story, right? Uh, you, you wonder sometimes, why do my kids fight so much? Well, look at the first family. Come on. Okay. That was the first crack at it. <laughs> and one murdered the other. Uh, so we can understand now how sin impacts our families. Uh, but Cain and Abel had kids, and that sin orientation, that sinful nature was passed down. And, and then, of course, the curse came upon the world, and uh, it's been a mess ever since. And that's why we needed a rescue plan. We needed a rescue plan. Because, you see, God is holy. And because He is holy, there's a penalty for sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And that's not talking about physical death. That's talking about spiritual death. Jesus Christ says in Matthew 25.46, And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So Jesus Christ says Himself. He many times talked about hell. He said... If you don't reconcile with God, if you don't submit to me as your Lord, you're going to spend eternity in suffering, separated from me. That is the penalty of our sin. Now, whenever you, you're watching a rescue movie or reading a rescue story or seeing something on the news, typically, of course, ultimately... The worst thing that could happen to anyone is to die, right? To physically die. So when people are being rescued, the worst case scenario is they're going to die if you don't rescue them. Well, friends, we're not just talking about physical death here. We're talking about spiritual death, eternal separation from God. Now, when you talk about a problem, when you talk about Somebody who needs rescue and people who need rescue. And that's us. Because if we're not rescued, we're going to have a Christless eternity. And that's a real problem. So we need a rescue plan. Now, let me ask you a question. If you died tonight and you appeared at the gates of heaven and Jesus was there and Jesus said, why should I let you in? What would be your answer? Now, just think about that in your heads for a moment. Just come up with an answer, whatever you might say to Jesus Christ. Really think it through. You might want to even write it down, jot it down. In fact, we have our message notes here, the green message notes that includes uh, these verses, if you're interested. But uh, write that down. All right. Now, how do people typically respond to that question? You know, why should I be allowed into heaven? Well, let's take a look at some statements. Uh, I was baptized. Well, I'm glad you were, but that won't get you into heaven. Uh, I went to church growing up. Well, that was great, but that won't get you into heaven. I was confirmed. I've got the certificate. <laughs> okay? I've got it in my, 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 uh, my uh, bank. <laughs> safe. Uh, no, that, that won't get you saved either. I'm a small-time sinner. I'm not a big sinner. I, you know, we all know the big sinners, right? I, I, maybe you've even met a big sinner before. I mean, you know, I mean, like, 
whopper sins. Like, wow, you are in real trouble with God. That's a huge sin. I'm just a little sinner. I just do little things. Right? No, that won't work either. I'm a good person compared to... Well, we always can find somebody to compare ourselves to, right? In whatever area of our lives. Well, I'm a lot better than that guy. I won't do it either. I've done so many good things. I've helped so many people. No, that won't do it either. In fact, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What Jesus Christ is saying here, there's a lot of people that think they're going to go to heaven, but really, they're not. I want to share something with you that I don't think I've ever shared uh, with the congregation here. But I am a a member of the Panera Club. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a real privilege. Took a lot of work and effort, classes, a lot of eating there. But finally they granted my membership. And... uh, I'm so. Is there any other members here out there? Would you raise your hands? Oh, way to go. Way to go. Great job. I, I want to recognize you for the same work and energy you put into in, in the, the getting this particular card. Uh, yeah, you know, and when I first got this card, I was thinking, man, this is going to be sweet. They're going to give me rewards for going to Venera. Now, people think that I'm crazy about Venera. I'm not really crazy about their food. I just think it's a great place to meet. And I have a lot of meetings with people, hanging out with people, and, and I, I just like hanging out there. Uh, the food, whatever. I, I go someplace else uh, for food, but I thought I might as well get a card since I was hanging out there uh, so much. And so uh, I started to use my Panera card. And you know what? This thing is worthless. It is worthless. I tell you, I go there quite a bit. And I think in 2013, I got two free soft drinks and a bagel. Two free soft drinks and a bagel. I remember a couple years ago, I bought $300 of gift cards at Panera. And I thought the next time they swiped that card, this look of joy would overcome the face of the person who was serving me, saying, Mr. Harrison, you have tons of rewards. First of all, here's a free bag of bagels just to top it off. you got free meals for the next month. You have spent so much money at this establishment. And I asked him, I said, hey, listen, you know, I spent a lot of money last month at this establishment. Well, it's based upon... Uh, just eat purchase. It doesn't matter the the amount of the purchase. Forget you! <laughs> Worthless! Man! Makes me mad. I tell you what. Here's my concern as a pastor. Now, I just love people. And I just want them to know what the Word of God says. My concern is that so many people grew up in churches, were taught somewhere that certain things would get them into heaven. And it just isn't true. It just isn't true what they've been taught, like I referenced uh, before. And they feel like they have this God card 
in their pocket, and they're good. They're good with that. Well, no. Friends, if you really know Jesus Christ, if you have accepted that free gift of salvation, He is working in your life. And if you reflect in the last five years of your life and you call yourself a Christian, but you can't really point to any great changes in your life, more love, more joy, more peace, more desire to get to know God better, more desire to get to know His Word, then you really have to stop and think, and I really want you to listen specifically. If you think you're good to go, but again, over the last five years, there hasn't been much change. You've been kind of checked out. You really need to listen. Because I just, that's my one desire. I want to tell you what God's rescue plan is. And if you have followed it, you're good to go. But maybe you have misunderstood. Or someone has caught you in the wrong way. So let's take a closer look at this. And I'm going to get really specific here because I want you to understand. So, let's go back to God's holiness. Habakkuk 1.13. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. Talking about God. You cannot tolerate wrong. That's where we have to start. We have to start with the holiness of God. God is holy. There is no sin within Him. Not a hint. He is the opposite of sin. The opposite of evil. He is pure goodness. Alright, so that's where we start. And you go back to Adam and Eve. They sinned. Now, God cannot have a relationship with a sinner. He cannot, in a sense, have the relationship that He would want to have. Because He's holy. But He can't be exposed to a sinner. So, what is He going to do? Here you have Adam and Eve, mankind, who He has created out of love, out of a desire to have fellowship with Him. And now Adam and Eve have turned against Him as well as all mankind. What is God to do? He is a judge. And He's saying, I am holy and you are sinful. I want a relationship with you, but there's a barrier between us. And the only way uh, that your penalty can be paid, other than you paying it, is that there has to be another human being who's perfect, who dies for your sin. Wow. Dies for your sin. So you have God here. He's looking down on the sinners. And He says, none of them qualify. None of them can rescue mankind. Because they're sinners. And I need a blood sacrifice. I need... Someone who lives a perfect life and then dies. So what does God decide to do? God says, I will be that man. God says, I will do it. I will go to earth myself. I will take on human flesh. I will become a a full man, while at the same time being fully God. I'll have a virgin birth because I can't have that sin nature passed on to me, obviously. But I'll become one of them in order that I might die for them and pay the penalty that satisfies my holiness in order that I might be able to love them, accept them, 
forgive them. That is God's rescue plan for you and me. The rescue from an eternity separated from Him. He decided to come down Himself to leave His throne and live in this sinful world and to die because He loved us so very much. Friends, there is no other God on this earth that has done anything like that. People who profess that these, that these other gods, no other God like the one found in this book. And that is why I believe this book. Because it rings true. Here you have a God with a conundrum. He has to be perfectly holy. At the same time, He perfectly loves. What is He going to do? How is He going to satisfy His holiness? And how is He going to love us perfectly? How is He going to reconnect with us again? The only solution is that He dies. That is the gospel. That is what we're talking about today. Friends, you need to realize, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, not in your good works, but in what Jesus did on the cross, you're facing a Christless eternity. And you need someone to rescue you. You need someone to rescue you from eternal death. And the glorious news of the gospel is that God sent His Son, Jesus. He sent Himself. In order to pay the price. We look at John 129. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Old Testament had the sacrificial system where it was all foreshadowing the fact that Jesus Christ was going to be the ultimate blood sacrifice. You hear a lot about blood the blood sacrifice. Well, that's just life blood. That signifies death. We talk about the blood of Christ. We we're talking about the fact that He died for us, that He gave up His life blood. Blood was very important back in that day, and it signified life. Now, let me get a little more detailed here. It's really important you know this stuff, okay? And then talk about some words we usually don't use in everyday life. Romans 3.24 whom God, we're talking about Jesus here on the cross, all right? Whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. So God asked Christ to go to earth and to be crucified. Again, to give His life blood, to give up His life blood. Propitiation, that word means to appease or to make peace. So again, by Jesus Christ giving His life, paying the penalty for our sin, we are able to have peace with God because God's holiness is satisfied because the penalty has been paid by the perfect God-man who lived the perfect life and took on our sins. But here's the key thing, to be received by faith. That is our one responsibility. We don't work for our salvation but we need to put our faith in God. And that's probably the biggest challenge people have. We're all filled with pride. We want to do it our way. And what God is asking us to do is to solely trust in Him. To come to Him and say, God, I am a sinner. 
I can't get to heaven by my good works. I can't do anything. But I am solely trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to cover my sins, to pay my debt, and I put my faith in you. That's what it means to become a Christ follower. And we don't like to trust other people. We don't like to trust anybody. But we have to if we're going to be rescued. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in His divine forbearance, His patience, He passed over former sins. God is a righteous God. And that's why it had to happen this way. And I tell you what, guys. You know, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, that's, <laughs> that's when the power starts to flow in your life. Uh, don't try life on your own. You're just going to be frustrated. And that's the importance of the resurrection. It was important that Jesus Christ die, but if He was still in the grave, well, a lot of people have died for different causes, but He rose again. He came back to life. He had power over death. And friends, because He had power over death, we can have power over spiritual death. That is why the resurrection is critical the foundation of what we believe this book says what God has revealed to us and, and the beautiful thing is that the power that that brought Jesus Christ back to life God says that same power is available to you and I when I was a, a child I became a Christ follower I said God I got nothing I'm trusting in Jesus Christ sacrifice for me he paid the price and I became a child of God before I was at enmity with God. God couldn't have fellowship with me, but as soon as I just said, God, I'm trusting in you, man, I became a son of God. And there's nothing better than being a son of God. I get up every day, and yeah, I have problems. I have struggles. Uh, but I, I have Jesus. And Jesus walks with me every day. And He carries me through difficult times. He comforts me. He empowers me. I tell you, some Sundays I get up here, I got no energy whatsoever. For whatever reason, I'm flat. But man, the Holy Spirit's power, resurrection power flows through me. And I walk off stage and I say, where did that come from? And I know where that came from. And that same type of power can transform your marriage. That same kind of power can transform uh, uh, emotional issues that you're struggling with. That same type of power can help you overcome that addiction. That same type of power can transform everyday, dull, boring living into something that is purposeful, that is something that is engaging and exciting. Not that life is perfect. When you become a Christ follower, there's nothing that says in the Bible your life's going to get easier. It might get harder. But the point is, you got Jesus with you now. you got the power. you got the presence of God with you. You've got all His resources at your command. He says, pray to me, and I'll, I'll give it to you. Oh, wow. You know, friends, the resurrection power is what we celebrate today. I go on here, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justify. There's another uh, word we don't typically use. Justify. Justification. 
is when God forgives us of our sins because of what Jesus did, and He wipes them off the legal books. So if you were to look at the legal books in heaven and look under Dan Harrison's name, all my sins canceled. The debt is canceled because of what Jesus Christ did for Dan Harrison and because Dan accepted it in faith. That is the beautiful thing that God wants to do. So, so now as God looks at me, He no longer sees the sin. Now, practically, yes, I am sinning regularly. Uh, I'm trying to grow to be more like Christ through the power of the Spirit. But uh, I'm going to be sinning till I die. But God's forgiven me of all those sins. I want to become more like Christ. But again, uh, positionally, the way He sees Dan, He's not holding any sin against me. And that's why when I die, I know I'm going to heaven. Not because of anything I've done, but because I accepted by faith this free gift of salvation. You hear that word salvation a lot, right? Well, what, what are you being saved from? You're being saved from an eternity without God. That's what you're being saved from. And you're also being saved from an eternity without Jesus on this earth. And I tell you what, I... Just start talking to people who walk with Jesus. Start talking with people who know Jesus. And they will tell you what a difference it makes. That resurrection power that flows through us. It goes on, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, what more beautiful thing to think about. Peace with God. We were at enmity with Him because of our sin. He was holy. We were unholy. But Jesus bridged the gap. It's not because of we, what we've done. It's, because of, or it's not because of what we do. It's because of what God has done for us. In fact, uh, Patrick, Patrick West called me yesterday. He manages a realty business down in Carpentersville. And every holiday he tries to put up some type of spiritual message. So he said, Dan, you know, what do you think I should put up? So we talked back and forth and... And finally, we came up with this here, this picture here. Happy Easter. Peacewithgod.net. Peacewithgod.net. Now, he says people sit at this particular light where this sign is for like four or five minutes. So what are people going to do on their smartphones, hopefully, uh, through the Spirit? Well, they're going to go to this website, as you see in the next slide. Four Steps of Peace with God. Billy Graham's, one of the best websites out there. I would encourage you to share it with people. Uh, peacewithgod.net. And that is such a clear presentation of what we talked about uh, this morning. So you can be praying that God would use uh, that sign. Then Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all of sin, that's us, and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. Just as we had never sinned. Why? Because it's by grace. Nothing that we do. It's just God's grace. God's unbelievable grace that He gives us what we don't deserve because He loves us so much through the redemption. There's another word we don't use. Uh, uh, as the idea of buying back. In that day, it was used for buying back a slave and giving that slave his freedom. Well, that's who we are, right? We've been given freedom if we accept what God has done for us. Now, one of the most important things I want you to understand here that I hear from so many people, I say, okay, are you going to heaven if you die tonight? 
And they'll say, well, I've been a pretty good person. Eh, wrong answer. I don't say that to them. Okay. <laughs> that wouldn't be appropriate. <laughs> but I gently and lovingly try to point out to them that, no, 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 you got it wrong. It's just because of Jesus and what he did for you and that you're putting your faith in that. And I tell you what, people who have grown up in certain churches, it might take me 20 to 30 minutes to really get through to them this idea that it's free. <laughs> it's free. Now, yeah, you'll do good works. Don't worry about that. That's all cool. But that won't get you to heaven, even after salvation. That don't count. None of that's Nothing you do counts. The only thing you do that counts is your faith, which the Holy Spirit gives you in the first place to exhibit in Him. That is it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Well, there you have it, guys. The greatest rescue plan in history. God wants to rescue you. And you've got to ask the question, okay, when I asked you, you know, if you went to heaven, what would you say? If you said works, if you said I've been a good person, or I've done this, or I've done that, I want you to carefully think about that. As I've talked about here, they don't play a role. It's only your faith in, faith in God, and after that, man, He takes you on a wonderful ride of just becoming more like Christ through when He's working through your life. And friends, here's a prayer. You know, everybody's at a different point. Maybe you're here today. It's the first time you've heard this. This is foreign. Like, what? What's he talking about? Then you need to go exploring. I would ask you, you know, make 2014 the year that you really understand this. I would personally love to talk to you about it. Uh, again, just say, I'm going to really find out who Jesus Christ was and what that means to my life. And I've really, if I've really got this rescue plan straight, does this really make sense to me? But if you're saying today, hey, you know, it's all clear now. I've been trusting in my good works. I, I don't have a true relationship with God the way you described it. Well, this is not from the Bible, but it includes the, the biblical principles that we talked about. Salvation it says, Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask forgiveness for my sins and open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. I no longer trust in my good works to gain a relationship with you. I know now it is a free gift. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Let's just bow our heads right now. Now, if you've done this, you don't have to do it again, all right? It's, you know, you're already a child of God. But if you haven't, and you feel so led, you can just uh, repeat this along with me silently. Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask forgiveness for my sins and open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. I no longer trust in my good works to gain a relationship with you. I know now it is a free gift. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. Now, friends, if you said that prayer today, and if you meant it and you understood it, that means today 
You have become a child of God. You have found peace with God. And there's nothing that could bring me greater joy than knowing you did that. So I want to encourage you to take this uh, insert, the screen insert. Uh, there's a portion at the bottom there. And uh, you can just rip it off or turn the whole thing. I don't care. Uh, but put down your name and your email. And we would love to send uh, you a, a book called The Purpose Driven Life. And, and, and if you're exploring Christ, we would love to send you the book. So just check that off and we'll email you and get your address and send it right to your house. And it's a beautiful way to kind of explore who Christ is and if you have a new relationship with Him. Uh, and say, hey, I made a decision to follow Jesus today, or maybe you want to recommit. Maybe you've been here, and for whatever reason, you've been checked out. You've been rebelling against God, and you say, man, I tell you, God has really rung my bell today. I need to get back on track with Jesus. Check that off, and so we can pray for you. Uh, Yeah. God's rescue plan. Isn't it amazing? Man. Not only does it rescue us from eternal death, but it rescues us from a life without Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You for the time You've given us today to glorify You uh, through talking about Your Gospel. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we would all grow. For those of us who are children of God, I pray that uh, this time together, uh, that Your Spirit would use us to, to move into this week and walk more closely with Your Son. Lord, I pray for those who are are struggling that they would turn to You. Turn those burdens over uh, to You. Let let, let You minister to them. For those who made that decision today to become a Christ follower, I rejoice with them. And for those who are still exploring, I pray that they would find the answer in You. In Christ's name, Amen. If we could have our ushers come forward to... Collect our love gifts uh, to the Lord. Just want to update you on some Springbrook activities. Uh, next week, I'm starting a new series on Peter. Peter the Apostle. And, uh, how Jesus Christ worked with Peter. Uh, Peter was very bold in everything uh, that he did. Uh, you can go ahead. <laughs>